You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's News and Insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Tax Wrap podcast, episode 70. I'm Steve Vernon, and I'm joined today by Andy Nguyen and our special guest, Dennis Mashansky. And uh, Andy, we're talking today about uh, a topic that one of our keen listeners, Peter Fitzkowski in Queensland, uh, wanted to hear about, uh, and it's about family trust elections, which um, to me sounds a bit complicated. It's uh, got to do with uh, uh, distributions to from a trust to uh, beneficiaries, doesn't it? That's right, Steve. The family trust elections are very tricky area of the law, but in very broad terms, or just to put it in very simple terms, basically they're rules to help trust, particularly if they want to recoup losses, um, if they've got a, a truckload of losses that they've incurred in prior years, those uh, the family trust election will help with uh, recouping uh, trust losses in the sense that they simplified a number of tests. That they, the, and they couldn't claim the losses otherwise? or um, It makes it very difficult, uh-huh. I think. So it sim- does simplify that. Um, another thing that the, the um, family trust election does do as well is that it does assist with um, claiming franking credits where distributions are made to um, beneficiaries, individuals. Um, two other things that they also do is they also help with what's referred to as the continuity of ownership test. So if a company is held by a trust, and we know with particularly around discretionary trust, it's very hard to trace the actual owners. So, so by making a family trust election, you're basically saying, well, hang on a sec, that trust is taken to be an individual. Okay, so it's sort of like, it's me, it's me. I, That's I right. That's correct. Okay. So that will help in, particularly if companies want to satisfy what's referred to as the continuity of ownership test for recouping losses. And last but not least, um, the government's recently introduced um, the small business uh, restructure rollover, Dennis. And um, yeah, that's right. It's it's a new measure as it's coming in on the first of July, twenty sixteen. So it's um, uh, well, the the, provi- the new provisions are um, a separate topic of discussion. But uh, within them, there is an, um, a new a new rule, a new test, um, so to speak, about the ultimate economic ownership of the assets. And um, the economic owners of the assets can, uh, can be only individuals. Right. So um, there is a question of how do you trace the ownerships through different interposed structures like trusts and companies. Yeah. And uh, this uh, special difficulty with discretionary trusts, well, the very nature of them um, prevents you from tracing, tracing the ownership. And that's, that's where the family trust election comes handy. Because um, it really um, specifies a particular family, particular group of individuals being the economic owners of um, those assets. Because I suppose, as the name suggests, you have discretion to make distributions. So this just settles that sort of decision? Is that what it is? Exactly, exactly. The family trust um, election really um, narrows down the beneficiaries of the trust. Mm. Uh, Normally, a trust document, the trust deeds... um, uh, provides for a very broad range of uh, beneficiaries being, um, you know, close and distant uh, relatives, family members, perhaps charities and different uh, companies owned or um, uh, where the interest is held by family members. Yeah, you're, I think you're absolutely right there, Dennis. That broadness that a discretionary trust can provide in terms of who the beneficiaries are and really Dennis has hit the nail on the head there in terms of Having these family trust elections narrows the scope 
of who are cons- or, the, or the members of that family group for these purposes. So, right. and and that restructure is quite you know it's a new restructure. We haven't quite seen it in action as such. But in a number of circumstances, for example, if you were a company and you wanted to restructure into a discretionary trust, for example, um, these these rules would typically or this particular. Uh, need to make a family trust election can be quite useful. Mm, yeah, because it, it sort of also can negate a, a liability in the future to kind of like this kind of rollover, the new rollover. That's uh, correct. Yeah, yeah, the new rollover just in brief anyway, um, because we're purely focused on family right. trust elections today. But the new rollover does, you know, provide scope for. Uh, businesses that want to restructure from one particular entity into another. It used to be just purely a lot of times it was into a company structure, but now they're giving you a lot more scope. And, you know, some people may wish to, for whatever reason, for particular commercial reasons, restructure into a discretionary trust. Now, with the family trust election, do you have to do it every now and then, or once you do it, that's it, it's set? Um, well, once there is a particular way of doing it, but then there is there are also limited opportunities to uh, revoke a family trust election and then very um, specified individual. I'll briefly go through making an, um, a family trust election yep. before we go into varying them. Right. So uh, the trust being either fixed or discretionary trust makes an election um, using a form provided in ITO. So the form can be posted to the commissioner either um, separately or with a tax return. And it makes um, well, generally the election for a spe- specified year. So it begins usually on the 1st of July. There are a number of conditions to meet. Uh, First one being the control test, um, which really means that a particular family um, or any of the entities that are owned, fully owned by the family, controls the trust. And also in the family trust election, a particular individual is specified as being the primary individual. What it really means is that all the relatives are traced in respect of that individual, so brothers and sisters. So it's just one one main person, is it? Or uh, yes, it is okay. one main person. Yeah, and so how does it trace there, Dennis? Does it go? So it goes up, presumably up generations and down generations. Is that typically how it works? Uh, yes, generally that's uh, how it's traced, Andy. So you have um, a specified individual, um, his or her parents, uh, grandparents. Um, and then it extends to siblings, so um, brothers and sisters, and go and also encompasses the children, grandchildren, uh, nieces and nephews. Really? Well, does it go, go, keep going forever? Or? Uh, it goes to lineal uh, descendants of nieces, nephews, and grandchildren. But interestingly enough, it doesn't cover cousins. Right. Uh, uncles, and uncles. I think uncles, aunts and uncles are yep. excluded. Yeah, that was something that okay. was quite weird when we were talking about it. It doesn't actually go to those particular individuals, so they're they're out of the loop. And I think, Dennis, as well, I think there's special rules as well where you have stepchildren or you have marriage breakdowns and those sorts of things as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, spouses of your relatives are included in a family, but then if there is a family breakup, I think those spouses and any children are still classified as family right. yeah. later on. So yeah. there are a few more quirks in it than um, it appears on yeah. the... I assume de facto was included in the same-sex couples or... Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's that's included. The uh, spouse can include a se- uh, same-sex um, relationship as well for yep. tax purposes there, Steve. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. And I think right here we actually may, um, stumble upon the first uh, detriment of may- making a family trust election. So essentially if you want to involve your 
cousins or your uncles yep. and aunts into the business, then uh, making a family trust selection uh, needs to be considered more carefully. Why is that so, Dennis? Because the, uh, those uh, relatives um, are not actually included in, in, in the family for the election purposes. Ah, but can they be? Unfortunately, there is no scope to uh, extend what is considered a family group right. for this election. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there are some instances where you can make what's referred to as an interposed entity election, but... As Dennis put in the main, you know, um, it's limited to that family group. So that's yep. why when you are making these sorts of um, elections, you need to be very careful to whom you want to distribute to because the real consequence, I mean, notwithstanding all the benefits that we've mentioned a little bit earlier yep. in terms of, you know, ability to recoup losses a bit more simply or accessing particular rollovers, if you were to distribute to uh, to entities or individuals outside of that nominated family group, then yep. you're subject to what's family trust distributions tax, and that's taxed at the top marginal rate, which right. which currently is forty nine percent, being you know forty seven. Oh, plus the two um plus the two percent temporary uh, the levy, the temporary de- uh, deficit reduction yeah, levy. Yeah. So, so it is you know it's 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 a it's a penal amount of tax if you do go outside those particular rules. So. Yep. On that premise, people need to, you know, or particularly advisors and and trustees need to exercise quite a bit of caution when they do make these form of elections, mainly because, you know, the the consequences are quite, um, you know, quite harmful or quite adverse for the the trust. um, So that if you don't make a family trust election, is it the beneficiary who gets copped the highest marginal rate? No, no, the the, the actual, um, if you don't make, a family trust election, then it just depends on how you plan on distributing that amount. So if they are already on a high marginal tax rate, they'll be subject to that, but it provides scope for for income splitting as with most uh, trust arrangements. Yeah, so the family distribution tax, as as it is known, the the 49% tax, is really applicable where um, a family trust with a family trust election distributes to an outsider or somebody outside the family. It might be a business partner and unrelated or, or um, really, really distant relative who's not considered in the family group. And what happens then that the trustee is liable to pay that, that tax? Right, right. Yeah. What, was it called, what would you call that interposed entity? Uh, now, an interposed entity election, is, there are certain entities that can form part of that family group if you make what's referred to as an interposed okay. entity election. But... Yep. Um, the family trust distributions tax is just a tax that's that's uh, levied on the trustee right. uh, in the event that that you distribute to these these outsiders. You know, yeah, it almost yeah. feels like the others uh, on that TV series. Oh, that's lost. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, exactly. And um, yeah, I think another point to mention within the family groups is that you can actually admit other entities being companies or trusts into the family group, but making those interposed entity elections. Ah, yeah. But then um, I think to, to consider in that case that those other entities, let's say there was a company, yep. they, can, they cannot really pay dividends um, the, or other dis- forms of distribution to outsiders of the family. Right. So essentially, once once you bring other entities in this family group, there is there is a limitation there. Yeah. yeah. Now let's let's turn a little bit to um, revoking a family trust election. So generally, a trust has um, 
um, has a current year when, when, and when the original family trust election is made, plus another four financial years to actually revoke the election. Okay. The election can be revoked that provided there was no, um, no tax benefit realized because of the election. Now let's get, get back to what uh, we were talking about the benefits. So we could claim tax losses uh, in the trust more easily. We can uh, satisfy the franking um, credits um, holding provisions and we can claim uh, bad debts. So if we haven't used any, um, well, if there were no, no um, situations where we did those three things, yep. then we could possibly, then we, we can uh, revoke the family trust election. Yeah. Well, why would you revoke the family trust election uh, in, in the normal course of events anyway, or would that just be something that you would do depending on the circumstances? Well, it's, it's more uh, relevant to situations where um, the original election was not well thought through. Okay. Or uh, if, if the circumstances has actually changed that, you know, it's beneficial to actually re- revoke that election. Is it like, it, well, I suppose, family deaths, which happen, sadly, but uh, perhaps divorce, etc., that sort of event? Um, I, don't it's, think it's, I don't think it's necessarily the case no, there, okay. there Steve. Um, it's probably more... It's probably more there to say, okay, look, I've initially we put one together and really we've made a mistake. We've never had to use these losses. We've never had to, you know, we've never been in a situation where we had to deduct some bad debts, you know. Yeah. So so ultimately it's just for situations where people might have done it, you know, in the anticipation of these things happening. It yeah. never eventuated and they thought, okay, look, we don't want to be trapped distributing outside oh, yeah. the family group, so we're going to revoke this. Well, election. So, or perhaps you've got advice, a good advice from your tax practitioner that you didn't seek before that you should have actually. Exactly right there. One other thing to note as well is that the ATO does have an also an excellent uh, family trust elections and interposed entity elections questions and answer. Oh, good booklet. So, and that's available at of course ato.gov.au. Right. Um, and listen, we'll probably put a link of that on the podcast page so that you can uh, click on that and. Uh, take up Andy's uh, tip that way. Okay, well, thanks, guys. Thanks very much. And uh, listeners, thanks again. And uh, like Peter, if you have a topic or an issue that you'd like us to discuss on the show, reach out via the Twitter hashtag uh, TaxRap or email us at podcast at taxpayer.com.au. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Dennis. And thank you, listeners. And we'll be back next week with episode number 71.